Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. And you packed this so that your child could eat. So what you are about to do at the request of Jesus Christ is to deny your child food so that his word can be satisfied. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. Well, let's go back into the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings, the, this time we're going to be in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. 2 Kings 4. On last Sunday we were there in 2 Kings, the sixth chapter, but today we'll be actually in the fourth chapter. 2 Kings 4. <clears throat> Second Kings, the fourth chapter, is just so rich, just so very rich. Um, this is so rich. On Wednesday night, we spoke from the subject of uh, what do you want? What do you want? And we, and we started some here in uh, the fourth chapter of Second Kings, and we're going to go right back into that today because the same uh, prevailing thought uh, still with us. The Lord is really still dealing with us in the things that we want. What do you want? And today I hear the Lord asking the question, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to sacrifice? We see here in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, 2 Kings 4. Uh, we're going to go and just read it again. It says in verse number one, now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha saying, uh, thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant uh, did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take upon him my sons to be bondsmen. And Elisha asked, or rather said unto her, what? What shall I do for thee? What shall I do for you? Now, it's pretty obvious again that her problem is that the creditor, the lender, is coming to, to uh, take her children. He's going to repo the children. You know, jack the children up and take them away. It's pretty obvious. She said, the creditor is coming to take my children away. But Elijah, Elisha still asked the question, what do you want? So even though that the, the answer seems obvious, God still asked the question, what do you want? Remember, we also gave the case in the New Testament when the blind man, blind Bartimaeus, comes to Lord Jesus and he cries out on the side of the road and says, uh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops and calls the man to him and, and uh, blind Bartimaeus, you know, he throws away his uh, beggar's cloak and he comes to the Lord Jesus and Jesus asks him, what do you want? What shall I do for you? Seems pretty obvious, Lord, that... I want to receive my sight, but still God asks the question, what do you want? And whenever the Lord asks you a question, it's, it's not that he doesn't know the answer, but he's trying to spur something in your attention, trying to bring something to your attention. And here, uh, this widow was talking to Elijah, giving her, Elisha giving uh, him her problem, and he asked the question, what do I need to do for you, or what should I do for you? What do you want? What, and then he asked her, of course, what do you have in your house? Here we're getting into the part two here. 
First, he answered question number one, what do you want me to do for you? Secondly, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? And we're going to speak from that subject um, uh, here this morning. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up? And she responds in this text, well, I don't have anything but a little bit of oil in the house. I don't have anything but this. He says, okay, take that oil, and God's going to use that to bring you your miracle. Now, you can read the rest of it uh, as you go on, but uh, we, see how, we see here how uh, the Lord multiplied the oil so greatly that she was able to pay off her debt and live off the rest. Now, I want you to know something very peculiar about God. Now, today, let me tell you, I may not hang from a chandelier. I may not run and jump and skip across the floor. It is my plan, Brother Ray, it's my plan to be nice and calm and give you what the Lord has to say. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give yourself a peel if you want to or slap yourself one or two times. But I want to make sure that you receive exactly what the Lord has to say to you. Are you with me? All right. Now, notice she came to Elisha with the problem. What was the problem? They're coming to repo my children. Come and take my children away. She was expecting an answer. Give me money to fix this problem so I can pay off the lender. Right. Can we say that? She was expecting one answer, but God had something else totally different in, in plan, in view. He not only wanted to pay off the debt, but also give her enough money to live for the rest of her life. She expected money for the day, but God's plan far exceeded the day. Do you, you see what's going on here? He can bless you far past your ability to see. But what are you willing to sacrifice? What is in your house of value that you're willing to give unto the Lord that will bring you something that you really need? What are you willing to sacrifice? All right. So she gets her miracle. Um, there's enough oil there to uh, supply or pay off this debt. And then God says, all right, we'll sell the rest of the oil and uh, you can live off the rest. You and your children, easy street now. I have now provided for you. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful miracle. So uh, as it goes on in chapter four, Elisha now uh, goes to uh, um, another woman. We see him with another woman, a Shunammite woman here. Let's see in verse number eight. And it says, and, and, and it fell on a day that Elisha passed, passed uh, to Shunem, where was a great woman or a wealthy woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. So it was that as oft as he passed by, he entered, rather he turned in therein to eat bread. All right. Elisha walking with his servant Gehazi, and they are walking up the same road, and this woman sees him, as we see further on down, she knows that he is a man of God. She perceives, she talks to her husband and says, behold, this is a man of God. Let's make him something to eat. So the Bible says in verse number eight that she constrains him. She almost forces him. She compels him. Come on and get you something to eat. I've cooked some food. Come on in. Now, her intentions are noble. She is not trying to have brownie points with Elijah. She is not trying to put this in the gossip column of the local tabloids. She's not trying to either. uh, She's not really trying to make herself look better in the community. All she wants to do is bless 
God by blessing the man of God. Are you with me? All right. So what happens, he turns in, in verse number nine, and she said unto her husband, behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Now look at verse 10. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us uh, set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a lamp, uh, uh, rather candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall uh, that he he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that uh, he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. Now this is wonderful. She's a rich woman. She's willing to give something of her substance to God through the man of God here. Understand something. She says, let's make him a chamber or make him a room in the wall, in the wall. That is uh, the place of honor in their home. Let's give him a place of honor where he can come in and, 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 and use the bathroom, where he can come in and have something to eat and he can rest. And let's make him a place of honor. She was willing to sacrifice a very high place, a nice place for this man whom she did not know. It was not about Elisha. It was about God. She wanted to bless God. She did not say, I perceive that this is a man that's coming this way. She said, I perceive that this is a man of God that is coming this way. Now, you hang with me now. You're going to get something today. You hang with me. I perceive that this is a man of God. So as I bless him, I'm blessing the Lord. So I want to be good to the Lord. I want to bless him. And so she makes him that room and he comes in. And he lodges there probably several times. Now look at verse number 11. And he said, and it fell on a day that he uh, came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. Now, verse 12. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. Call the woman in. So he's probably there in his room. And uh, she comes in and what happens? And he said unto and he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us uh, with all this care. What is it rather? What is to be done for thee? What's the question here? What do you want? You've been taking care of us. You have gone through a lot of expense. Now, what do you want? It is said you can't beat God's giving no matter how hard you try. You've done all this. You've given up your substance. Now, what do you want? How does she answer here? Uh, and said, uh, he said, what is to be done for thee? He said, uh, uh, what is to be done for thee? Uh, wouldest thou uh, be spoken for to the king? Shall I talk to the king for you? You may reduce, get your taxes reduced here. You may put a word for you and by... I know Obama. I can talk to Obama for you if you want me to. Is that what you need? You need some clout in the community? Do you want me to talk to the king? He said, or uh, the captain of the host? Or do you, is somebody trying to bother you in your house? You may get some guards out here, the army out here. I can get them out, out here now. Somebody trying to mess with you. I can call the army out here and they'll be on your front door right now. Just give me a minute. Give me, give me my cell phone. Uh, Gehazi, give me my droid, man. I, I'll call him right now. I'll Google him up right now. I have him here. The army need the army. Marines, somebody mess with you? 
Need the black ops? Come on, I get them down here. You know, we're, I can talk to Obama. And what did she say? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. In other words, I'm okay. I don't need anything. I got, I got some money. You know, I'm rich. You know, I'm okay. I'm here with my kin. Nobody's going to bother me here. Everybody knows me, so I'm okay. Question was, what do you want? Oh, I'm okay. I dwell among my own people. I'm, I'm all right. All right. In verse 14, and he said, what then is to be done for her? Now he's talking to his servant. What is to be done for her? She's done all this. We've got to do something for her. Now, I want you to see something. I want you to see a heavenly pressure building, a pressure that's building up in the heavenlies. She has now forced in so much of her living, so much of her sacrifice, so much that now something has to come back to her. Such was the case in Acts, the the 10th chapter, uh, when the angel goes to uh, Cornelius' house. The angel told Cornelius, hey, Cornelius, your prayers and your almsgiving have come up before God as a memorial. You have done this so much, so much, so much that heaven cannot be in your debt. So something has to be done for you. Something has to be done for you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? God will not allow himself to be indebted to you. You have given so much, you have given so much, given so much, I've got to give something back to you because of your sacrifice. Well, the same thing was uh, true with when the Lord Jesus uh, needed to use Simon Peter's boat. He wouldn't be in debt to him. He said, Peter, let me borrow your boat. He got on Peter's boat and he launched out, right? And he began to talk to the people from the boat. Right. So at this point, uh, Peter or Jesus was in debt to Peter because Jesus had just used Peter's boat. Right. So will God be in debt to anybody? No. What did he do? All right, Peter, go back out there. I want you to let down your nets for a draw to fish. I'm about to pay you back big time. Peter has lent the Lord his boat. That is his business. That was Peter's business. He was a fisherman. He had given his resources. Now, Peter can't fish without his boat. He's a net fisherman, so he has to get out there, go out there a ways, and then drop his net and pull it up again. This was his business. It's like a truck driver lending you his tractor trailer or a cab driver lending you his cab to go do something. This was his business. So if, if Jesus had gone out there and sunk his boat, Peter would have been sunk. Are you hearing me? So he put himself out there for the Lord. And Jesus says, all right, let down your nets for a draw. And so much fish Peter caught, so much that his boat almost began to sink. He had to call his partners in to help him to get all the fish in. The Lord will not be indebted. Hear me, he will not be indebted. And so let's go on a little bit further. We're gonna, there's just so much more we can show you. And so she said, hey, I'm okay. I'm here with my family. Everything's all right. Don't need anything. But thanks anyway. I'm just, I want to bless the Lord. My heart is to give unto the Lord. So Elisha asked the servant, now, what then is to be done for her? I said, in a moment of desperation, what are we going to do for her? And Gehazi answered, uh, verily, she have no child. 
He has gone out and he's been investigating. He, the Lord, now he's had her investigated. Go through her stuff now. Find out what she won't. Well, I know, Master, she doesn't have a child. And her husband is old. Hmm. Surely every woman wants a child. Especially in back in Bible times, it was thought if, if a woman could not bring forth a child back in Bible times, she was thought to be barren and almost cursed by God. It was if to say that God felt you so bad that he didn't want you to reproduce. Pretty, pretty rough. Such was the case with uh, uh, John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. When she was finally pregnant, finally pregnant, she said, the Lord has removed the reproach from me. God has spared me. I now have a baby. So here was this woman, plenty of money. Didn't need a word from Obama. Didn't need a word. Did not need the black ops group. Did not need the army or the Marines. She said, I'm okay. I'm okay. But there was one thing that she did need. That I'm sure she prayed about many years ago. When her husband was young, maybe there was a chance. But it just did not work out. And so she put that need on the back burner. And now when she's asked by the man of God, what do you need? Nothing. I'm okay because what I really want, you can't give it to me. So don't worry about it. Elisha says, well, what is to be done for her? She's done so much for us. What is to be done? Gehazi, she has no children. Husband's old. Elijah said, okay, well, good. Let's look at this. Uh, In verse 15, and he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. Now she's here for the second time. First time, what you want? I want to think I'm okay. So she's calling, calling her back. And now she's come again. And she stood in the door, and Elisha, and Elisha said, now he's speaking for God. He said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. Wonderful news. But how does she act? And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thy main servant. Don't lie to me. Oh, I just love this. I just love this. She wants this, but she is, she is so afraid to hope for it again. She's hoped for this for such a long time, and you really want it. Don't raise my hopes, man of God. Don't you lie to me. If this is not so, don't you say it. I've wanted this for too long, and every time I thought I was pregnant, I wasn't. So many times there may have been false pregnancies or, and false this and false that. I'm late, but then it came, I'm not. So many times, so many times there may have been miscarriage after miscarriage. So many times. But now the man of God says, God says from heaven through the man of God, about this time next year, you will embrace your son. Don't lie to me. Don't you do that. And what happens? The Bible says in verse 17, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And at that season that Elijah had, had said unto her, according to the time of life, she brought it forth. God gave her 
even the secret desires of her heart. Why? Because she was willing to sacrifice something that was precious to her. Now, I want to show you something else in the book of uh, Matthew, Matthew 26. Matthew 26. And uh, I want to show you something because the Lord is, is saying that here again, the heavens are open. The heavens are full of resources. When the Lord Jesus performed the miracle of fishes, uh, the great catch of fish for Peter, he didn't create more fish in the lake. He just told all the fish to come to Peter. You understanding here? He has resources that he wants to give to you, but what are you willing to sacrifice for it? Matthew 26 and uh, verse number six. I want you to see this. Another case, another extreme case. Now, when Jesus, this is Matthew 26, verse six. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon, the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. This was extremely expensive, extremely expensive, more than a year's worth of income extremely expensive. What are you willing to sacrifice for Jesus? Here again, her motives was not, I'm going to pour this on Jesus so everybody know I'm super spiritual. I'm going to pour this on Jesus so everybody like me. No, she poured this on him out of her love for him, out of her love and devotion. Such was the same case of the Shunammite woman. I want to do this for God. I want to do this for him. I'm willing to sacrifice something precious that's precious to me upon him. And so she poured out that that very expensive ointment upon him as the Lord was sitting down. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation. They were angry at the Lord saying, to what is this waste? I'm sure some of the Shunammite uh, woman's friends saying, you're going to build a, you can go, you're going to do a remodel on your house, a thirty or $40,000 remodel, build the man of God a jacuzzi, flat screen TV, waterbed. You're going to do that for him and you don't even know him. Why in the world would you do that? I'm sure they thought she was crazy. The disciples here were mad at this woman. And said, why are you pouring your sacrifice upon Jesus? Can you hear their words? As if to say, he's not worthy of that. Why are you doing that to Jesus? Now look at this. It says they were filled with uh, indignation. They were angry. And they said, "What to what purpose is this waste? Why are you wasting this? It's expensive stuff on Jesus. Why are you wasting your tithe in that church? You know you don't have enough money. Why are you wasting it? Why are you wasting your offering? Why are you keep going back down there? Why are you wasting your sacrifice on Jesus? What did the Lord say? Verse 9 goes on to say, uh, for this ointment uh, might have been sold. They said they we could have done something else with this. This only might have been sold for much and given to the poor. We could have done more things with this. Why put it on Jesus? Verse 10 says, when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, now he's defending this woman. He said, why trouble ye the woman? 
For she hath wrought a good work upon me. She's doing a good thing to me. The Lord stands up, says, she's doing something good for me. For ye have the poor with you always. He said, but, but me, ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Now, look at this. Remember, this was a tremendous sacrifice, and God's not going to be in debt to you. He's not going to be in debt to you. You give and 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 you give out of your heart, from your heart to him. You pour out and pour out and pour out. God's not going to be in debt to you. So there must be something that is of much superior value than what she's just given. Look at this. And it says, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, in the whole world on the planet, but not just planet, because the word world here in the Greek is cosmos, which means universe. Wherever this gospel is heard throughout all the universe. And listen, that's not a far stretch, because as we as we uh, send the gospel out over the radio waves, over the Internet, on, on television. Those radio waves go far past uh, this planet. It bounces off the planet and the waves go right back out in the outer space. Scientists say there are old broadcasts that can be heard from the 50s and 40s. If you go out far enough, you can still hear those waves. They keep going and going and going and going and going and going and going. And Jesus said, wherever you hear this gospel preached, there will be a memorial for this woman. So they're on Mars and, and Pluto and, and all those planets. They're hearing her name. They're hearing about what she has done. There, that means there is honor. There is favor now attached to this woman for, for, for now and all time. Good God Almighty. That means she, if she, back in Bible time, they had a 7-Eleven. She would have gone to 7-Eleven and picked up an item. Oh, aren't you that lady that did that to Jesus? Yes? Oh, your money's no good here. Whatever you want, we'll give it to you. We'll give it to you. She goes to some fancy restaurant, walks inside. Don't have to make a reservation. Aren't you that lady that poured it on Jesus? Oh, yeah, you come right in. Whatever table you want. There is, for, there is honor and there is favor. Now forever attached to this woman by God Almighty himself. Forever. Wow, because of this gift that was now poured on Jesus that the other preachers said was a waste. Can you imagine that? The Lord said, wherever this gospel shall be preached in all the world, in all the cosmos, in all the universe, on earth, on whatever planet, wherever you go to, there shall also this that this woman hath done, you're going to hear about her, be, for, be told for a memorial to her. Turn to the neighbor and tell him, God's not going to be in debt to anybody. Now, I want you to see something else here. I want you to see something else. Because we also mentioned from the subject, when, uh, the subject, um, when enough is enough. <laughs> when you have had enough. Amen. Things will change when you've had enough. And we're going to see here somebody that had enough. This is 
off the beaten path, but you'll see this. Verse 14 says, Then one, say then, then. say then. then, then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests. Judas was the one that kept the money. He was the uh, accountant of the group. He was a treasurer. Once he saw money, he, he could have used this money for something else. Because if we had sold this, I would have had more money in my pocket. Judas is thinking. Now he's saying, no, look, I've had enough. I've had enough. We could have used this money for something else. I've had enough. Yeah, I'm going to get you, Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to cheap priests. I'm going to find a way to make me some more money. Listen, he said, and said unto them, he goes to a chief priest and saying unto them, what will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covered it with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he saw an opportunity to betray him. I want money. I had enough of this. Can't make money from Jesus. Then I'll make money by using Jesus. Are you with me? Amen. So, as we go back into 2 Kings, just for a moment, notice, just think again on the Shunammite woman, what she was willing to release for the Lord. What she was willing to release for him. She released a position of honor in her home. Are you willing to release a position of honor in your home? A place of prayer, a place of favor for the Lord, even in your own home. The woman with the alabaster box, she was willing to give something extremely precious in her sight to the Lord. Now, of course, the Shunammite woman could not have paid for a son. What would you give to receive that type of reward from Jesus? Something that you wanted so badly, what would you give? What could we pay What could you offer God for him to give you such a position of honor throughout all eternity, throughout all the universe? They will speak your name. What would you give him for that? What could you offer him? We couldn't offer him anything. I want you to see something else before we go back into 2 Kings. Let's go to the book of John, John the 6th chapter. John the 6th chapter. And I'm going to read this for you out of the New Living Translation. I love the way this reads. Now, here again, the question is, what are you willing to sacrifice? Because we're troubled on every side about bills and about debt and about relationships and all these other things. We got a lot of troubles and things going on. But what are you willing to release into the hands of God to receive your miracle? What are you willing to release? Now, I want to read this to you out of the NIV. Are you all see with me today? Uh, John, the sixth chapter, verses five through 13. Listen to this. This is on the NIV. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. There's a great crowd of people. Jesus asked, okay. How much is it going to take for us to feed all these people here, Philip? How much is it going to take? Think about us at the stadium, in the stadium, the Atlanta Dome, and all those people are there. He said, how much is it going to take for us to feed everybody that's following me? And uh, verse 7, Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages 
to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. <laughs> I love that. More than half your salary for everybody just to get a bite. Uh, take your bite. Mm, all right, pass it on. Don't bite too much. You got a big mouth. Just get a little nibble and pass it on down the line. That's what it would take for that to happen, he said. Another disciples, Andrew, uh, Simon's, uh, rather, uh, yeah, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is, a, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? All right, this is very good. Then the Lord tells him to sit down, and he, he uh, takes the bread, and he blessed it, and everybody eats, and there, there's some food left over, right? But notice something here. Peter says, or rather, um, Simon Peter's brother says here, he says there's a little boy here that has uh, his lunch, basically. He has five loaves, five small loaves, and two fishes. There's a little lad here. Now, that's a lot to eat for one boy. So I guess his mom and dad is sent him off with something to eat because they know that he will be needing something to eat out there, right? So here's some lunch. I got some bread and I got some fish. It's little boy's lunch. Understand something. Now, let's use our Holy Ghost imagination, okay? Now, we're all on a great camp meeting somewhere, okay? We're at some kind of uh, amphitheater or... Uh, some sort of um, uh, some sort of place, and everybody's sitting out there. They have their own blankets, and there are people everywhere. People everywhere. Now there are thousands of people here. There are there are at least five thousand men that are here, not counting the women and the children. So there are thousands of people here, and they are all coming to hear Jesus, right? Jesus finishes preaching, tells Philip, "All right, give him something to eat." Lord, we don't have that kind of money in our treasury, and even if we did. They wouldn't be satisfied. All right, fine. He says, what do you have? Well, I found this little boy over here. Now, right away, you're thinking, what is in your mind, disciple? That's that little boy's lunch. You're going to take his food? <laughs> the little boy could be six or seven or eight years old. He's looking around all, all the crowd, trying to find somebody with food. And comes upon a little boy, a little defenseless boy over here. Give me that food. Lord, this is what we have. This is what we have. This is what we have. No, it's what he had. Are you hearing me? Now, but we can surmise that the little boy's parents must be with him. Why would you send your little boy out there among all those people? Right? So the parents must be there. So the sacrifice is not so much the little boys, but it's his parents. Now, his parents are in a position... Everybody's hungry around here. 5,000 plus people are all hungry. And your child is also hungry. And you pack this so that your child could eat. So what you are about to do at the request of Jesus Christ is to deny your child food. So that his word can be satisfied. I want anybody to hear that or not. You're about to say to your little child. Come here, son. Come here and bring my son up here. And bring my my nine-year-old, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. My eight-year-old son. He'll be nine next month. (laughs) So we're here with all these people around here. You see see the Lord's son over there? Mm -hmm. All right, good. 
And all the other people around here, and his stomach is growling. He's hungry. Now, if this is his food. You ever, parents, you've ever been in the place when there was not a lot of food around the house, so you know it wasn't too much for you to eat. You could go without a little bit longer as long as your youngster had something to eat. This was his food. And so the disciples come around to me, and he has his food probably about to sit down and eat it. Everybody else is hungry, but we have prepared because we knew we'd be out here for a while. And so disciples come by, they look for food, and, and Peter says to me, uh, one of the disciples, I said, hey, uh, they say, hey, man, you got any food here? And I say, well, all I have is my little boy's lunch that I packed at home. Well, Jesus is saying uh, that we're calling for food so that people can eat around here. And, and I've been, I'm on assignment from Jesus to get food from people and bring it to him. So you're on assignment from Jesus, huh? <laughs> yes, I'm on assignment from Jesus. Will you give me the food that's supposed to be for your child so I can give it to Jesus? Hmm. Do I really love the Lord? All right, son, I love you. I know you're hungry, but Jesus is calling for the food. What are you willing to sacrifice? All right, don't worry. Here, Peter, take this to Jesus. Now, this time, he, he's crying. Look, he's crying. <laughs> He can't eat. <laughs> In today's time, we may say, well, all we have is a 10-piece chicken nuggets and some fries and a drink. So I take his food from him, give it to the disciples, and they walk it over to Jesus, and they say, all we have is a little boy's lunch. Little boy's lunch, Jesus. The lad's lunch. Give him a hand, would you? Yeah, give him a hand. Good. <laughs> they identified little boy's lunch. Jesus, little boy's lunch. Jesus said, all right, give it to me. What do you mean give it to you, Lord? You want to take it back? No, give it to me. The Lord takes it, blesses it, breaks it. And out of that sacrifice, thousands eat until they are filled. They are all filled. His parents, too, and the little boy, all filled, and fragments left over, more than enough. But most importantly, Jesus was able to eat, too. Are you hearing that? The Lord is able to eat. So the question is, again, what are you willing to sacrifice? Because God will not be in debt to anybody. You gave of your child's substance, well then I will give you back more. They gave five, and the Lord gave them back thousands more as a result of that. Now, were the, ch- were the children's, or the, uh, was that child's parents, were they trying to do that to make themselves look better in front of everybody else? You don't do that, trying to make yourself look better than somebody else, unless you're some kind of psycho or something. No, your child is not going to eat. What are you willing to sacrifice? 
so that God can give you what you need and pass that. Are you willing? Are you, are you hearing me today? Are you getting these examples today? Because I want you to get these examples. Now let's look at one more thing that we're going to close out for today. And uh, Philippians, the fourth chapter. Go to Philippians 4. Philippians 4. This is thrilling. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Verse number 16. We'll start here. Philippians 4, verse 16. Now understand, it is the Father's desire to bless you past the day. To bless you, you say, Lord, I need $400 for my light bill. It's his desire to give you well beyond that. To take care of your bill, that you may live off the rest and also help someone else. But we can be so short-sighted and so close-fisted that we cannot release something of substance and something of great value to him. Because we think, well, I'm going to have to eat today. When the Lord is trying to set you up for something greater. Remember when the young rich ruler came to the Lord Jesus, came to Lord Jesus and and he asked him, Lord, uh, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, well, you know, the commandments, you know, honor your mother and your father. Don't steal, don't kill, don't murder, so forth and so on. All the commandments that related to man. But then he said, yet you lack the young rich, rich ruler said, I did all these. But yet what lack I? Jesus said, here's what you lack. He looked at him and loved him and said, well, this is what you need to do to have eternal life. I see the young man just looking with his eyes wide open. All right, here it comes. Here's, here it comes. And Jesus says, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. In other words, what are you willing to sacrifice? Well, he was not willing to sacrifice it. He went away sorrowful. And then Jesus tells his disciples that no man that have left house and, and, and mother and father and, and all these things, no man that's left all that will not inherit 100 fold in this life with persecution. But you're going to inherit it because God will not be in debt to any man. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, we'll stop here. Philippians 4, verse 16 it says, uh, Paul is writing here to the church of uh, Philippi, and it says, For even in Thessalonica uh, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. You kept on sending to me. He said, Not because I desire a gift, he said, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He said, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. You keep giving to the work of Jesus Christ. And it's not though I need anything. He said in verse 18, he said, but I have, I have all and, and abound. I am full and have uh, received of Ephorodius the things uh, which, which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. They were given this to the Lord. They recognized that Paul was a man of God. They recognized that he was giving the gospel of Jesus Christ and they wanted to support the work. Paul said, he said, uh, in further verses before this, he said, I've, I know how to be, um, go, I know how to go without and I know how to have plenty. You're not giving this just for me, but you're giving this to the work of the, the work of the father. And he said, I'm desiring these gifts, not because I need it, but because you need it. Every time you give from your heart, every time you sacrifice from your heart, not just money, but your time, your talent, your labor, 
God will not be debtor to you. When you give it from here, when you give it from your heart, the Father will not be in debt to you. He will release to you far past what you can ever think or imagine. Question is, will you prove him? I've given you scripture after scripture today, Old and New Testament, showing to you what the Father will do once you give from your heart. Not giving a miss, not giving to please somebody else, or not sounding a horn, a horn and waving your money as you come down uh, to the offering plate. Some people just give it, I got my hundred, here I am. And you wave your hundred, and you wave it, and you put it in the container and say, I've done my good deed for the week. That's not it. When it is from here, the Father sees it. And he will reward far more than what you could actually do. So I would tell you, give unto the Lord, though it may seem foolish to other people. They may say, why are you wasting that? Why are you wasting that expensive thing on Jesus? Why are you giving that to him? But the Lord sees it and is about to proclaim a blessing that will blow your mind. Will you take the leap of faith? I'm not sure what it's going to take, but in all these cases, something was laid on their hearts. Something was laid on their hearts. There's a demand that's put on us to heed the call of the Lord. Whatever it will be, it will be valuable, and it will be personal, and it will be close. But when you release that thing to him, it's going to turn to gold. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We're done in Jesus' mighty name. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org.